Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. We have, interestingly, another road in Scripture to travel today. That text is usually talking about the three wise ones. You remember in the story of the Nativity, when the wise men hear about Herod coming to kill Jesus, they decide to go back home by another road, right? So we have an interesting passage for us today. It's a different road, a different look at Jesus. It's a challenging passage. I want to be upfront about that if anybody was looking at their lectionary for the week and has already uh, dove in to this passage. If you remember, we've been in Matthew for a little while. We've been in chapter 14. And do you remember what Jesus was doing in those stories from Matthew? Healing powerfully feeding thousands from just a few loaves of bread. Last week, Jesus calmed the storm and calmed Peter as he was looking for something more, standing out there and walking on water. Well, today, Jesus shows up pretty differently. Do you know this passage? I see some of you all shaking your head. This is a place where Jesus himself learns and changes and decides to go a different way. So hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. So Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her at all. And the disciples came and they urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And Jesus said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and then throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that very moment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So at the start of this week, Monday through Wednesday, I had a wonderful opportunity 
to participate in a cohort group of pastors with a group called the Ministry Collaborative. It's a select group and it meets mostly on Zoom, but we gather with pastors from across all denominations and all over the country. And last Monday to Wednesday, I flew to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we met in real life. Now, you all have heard me talk a little bit about my time with the nuns and how restorative and relaxing and peaceful that is over in Coleman, Alabama. But this is a real go-getters group. It's a gathering of about 20 ministers. We're working creatively and enthusiastically leading the church in the local context. To participate, we read widely and then reflect thoughtfully. And every session starts with a rigorous, in-depth Bible study. Really wonderful ideas shared. When we break up into small groups, we're really tackling the things that come up in our churches, ready to approach the problem. And it's primarily a place where lament is offered alongside hope and always love. And the reason this group can be so good is because the leaders are fantastic. Wonderful leaders, people who have pastored for decades in successful calls and in unsuccessful situations, people who have experience and love for the church at large but aren't scared to think things through differently at this time of great change in the religious landscape. For our time in Minnesota, our host was a Lutheran, a man named Kelly Chapman. And among many of the wise things that he shared with us over our time together, one of the things that he was careful to communicate to this group of seasoned pastors was to warn us, don't be an expert. The situation came up because he was speaking to one of my colleagues, a woman who has a church in San Francisco. She was a successful church planner in Chicago and has moved on to the second call. And her question was about AI, artificial intelligence. It seems, especially in San Francisco, I suppose, that her people really wanted to know more about AI. And they had questions about how it was going to impact their lives, how it would influence humanity, their ideas about God. And she was saying, you know, this is a challenge because I'm a pastor and on top of everything else, now I've got to learn enough about artificial intelligence to be able to speak accurately and appropriately and perhaps prophetically and insightfully to my congregation on the topic. And don't you know, this really research is also to be a hook so that I can draw people into the congregation. Well, into that soup, Kelly, our host, said, don't be an expert, be a learner. I'm wary of the expert role, he said. Now listen, this doesn't mean that pastors don't need to know how to build a budget or to run a staff 
This doesn't mean that pastors don't need to be expert at the skills of listening and preaching. But the advice to be wary of the expectation that you are someone who will know everything and have the answers and understand the latest approach from the brightest in the field. No, don't be an expert. Instead, always be a learner. His example from scripture for us was Paul. Paul in Athens. I preached on this not that long ago. Do you all remember when Paul found himself for the Areopagus, the magistrate of the city? He didn't take that opportunity. Do you remember to hold forth on the tenets of the Christian faith to teach them how to think? Instead, he laughed a little at himself and he learned a lot about their local context about what was going on for them there so that he might understand how he would fit in, what good news he had to share. And this idea of not being an expert, we even see it today from Jesus, from the divine and human flesh. He also does not get it right in this passage for today. Now, commentators and scholars have done backflips trying to make this passage a little easier to digest. In this passage, Jesus calls a Canaanite woman a dog. Oh, the diminutive of the term is used in the Aramaic and the Greek. It would have to mean little puppy. It doesn't matter what Jesus called this woman. What we see is that Jesus got it wrong and he learned that he did. And he headed home then by a different way. So don't be an expert. Don't enter into a situation as an expert. It's good advice. It's the witness we see from scripture that even God had something to learn here from the people at God's feet. Even the Holy One got it wrong and learned something new. To unpack this a little bit, it's helpful to remember who this woman in the passage today truly is. In Mark's gospel, she's called the Syrophoenician woman. In Matthew's passage, and today, she is unnamed as a Canaanite. Do you remember the land of Cana? The land that's flowing with milk and honey that's promised to the slaves, the Hebrew slaves, as they make their way out of Egypt. The Canaanites were the people who were dispossessed, who were taken out of the land and depending on the way you understand the conquest, it either happened pretty darn violently with walls shuttering down or it happened by displacement and intermarriage and pushing out. But if she is a Canaanite, then she is a descendant of a people who have not had a land in hundreds of years. 
dispossessed first by the Israelites, but then again and again by all the empires that conquered the Hebrews too. So this unnamed woman is the least, the last, and the lost. The ones to whom Jesus would be attuned. She was an enemy, a Canaanite, one that would be forgiven. One of the commentators I read said that she would be at the bottom of the barrel. And to be honest, Jesus treats her just so. It's a difficult picture of the divine here. Here is one of the people to whom Jesus should be oriented. Here is a woman suffering with real pain. Her daughter is demon-possessed. Her daughter is sick. And Jesus, unfortunately, is not very kind at all. Jesus calls her a name and not a nice one. And says that she does not deserve to be fed by him. It's so strange. Haven't we just been reading these stories of Jesus pouring himself out, understanding people in the depths of their souls, walking into crowds of the bleeding and the broken and healing them again and again? It's so strange. We think about it and we wonder, oh, maybe he was hungry, or is it hangry, you know? Maybe he's finally worn out, because what we've seen in these scripture passages is that he was always trying to get away, and then people would come crying to him. Maybe he's just had it. He's had enough. He's in Gentile territory now, so maybe he's a little bit scared. Maybe he has slipped into the comfortable cultural bigotry of his time. Who knows why? Scripture doesn't tell us why. And I don't think it makes sense for us to spend much time there. For whatever reason, what this passage shows us is that Jesus doesn't exist on the divine plane without first an adjustment being made. Maybe that's the point here, that adjustment. So that what's crazy isn't that Jesus got mad or that Jesus was mean or that Jesus took on the biases of his day, but what's wild, what's witness, what's revolutionary is that Jesus recognized a mistake. And that Jesus makes the change, right? Jesus shows up here as a learner, as a learner. 
We call Jesus the way. And here he is showing us the way that we are to be. That we will get things wrong too. That we are to change. That we are to learn. I will say one of the most important things that I heard during my time interviewing for this position here at Covenant, one of the things that most attracted me here was an offhand comment as I was being walked out. And it was testimony to the real change that takes place within these walls. I think what this person was referring to was Sunday school around white privilege, around unlearning some of the things that they had known to be true and of trying to change and to do some things new. But I heard it again in other ways that people who held certain set of beliefs would come here and whether in Sunday school or a small group or a dinner gathering even, that they would, in the context of this community, comfortable and safe, hopeful and holy, that they would be transformed, that there could be something new to learn. I'm not surprised that one of the three verbs in our mission statement, as anyone, can anyone say it for me today, putting you on the spot? Yep, that's right. Seek, serve, and celebrate. I am not surprised that one of those three verbs, out of how many verbs are there in the English language that describe this place as seek? It's a beautiful thing, I think, particularly in religious community that our thought hasn't calcified around a tradition or a doctrine or a political position, but that we are open to learning and growing as we seek to follow after Christ. One of the best compliments that I've received was in my first advent here, when I had preached more in depth on Mary and Elizabeth than I think you had heard previously. And the compliment that I received that I love was that someone came up to me after worship and said, do you know how many Advent sermons I have heard? And I think I actually learned something new. And I can't tell you how excited that makes me. And it made me excited too, that we can learn new things. Discipleship is about transformation. Even our divine Jesus shows us that transformation in the passage for today. So this is the season then to get ready to be changed. I mentioned this in my uh, e-blast letter to you all this week and it's also in our newsletter. All the opportunities that there are here at Covenant for lifelong learning and I don't have to tell you all about it you who participate who've been waking up for that the 8:30 zoom call with Jim Inglesat for the previous years you know 
what it is to learn and what it is to grow. And we have good ways to do that here. Small groups, spirituality groups for women where you encourage to do things like meditate for 15 minutes, which is not easy to do. New groups that are starting up where we get to learn and to know each other more. Bible study where you unpack in community and all of a sudden what you thought you knew becomes more and more complex. We have wonderful Sunday school opportunities. There's even a new activity with the drumming group that James is going to be leading. What would it be like to learn how to drum and worship? How new for this context. And we have some fun events coming up that we call our lunch and learns or our supper series. It's an opportunity, yes, to gather information. Next week, we're looking at ethical wills and what it is to move on up to an independent living situation, whether for yourself or for people you love. But it's not just about getting information. It's about hearing from people you know on a subject that can be fraught, that can hold grief, that can be scary. And it's hearing from them in a way that you can hold and learn. And by the grace of God, be transformed. I'm so excited in October with the money that we have from the Mitchell Women's Fund. We're inviting Jen Carlier to come for three Sunday afternoons. We'll start at five for an early supper. And she is someone who is trained to speak around the theology of addiction. And her series will be about finding God in the basement. Now this church has a long history of supporting groups who are support groups, right? NA, AA, Al-Anon. But what do we have to learn from them? So Jen asks us to think about that how she has found God in the basement in ways that the church who meets on Sunday mornings at 11 could be encouraged to learn about and to try. And so we put on the posture of learners that we see in our divine and we hear from someone who might transform us. Because our God is one who learns. Our God is one who engages the world around him. Our God is one who changes. As I was coming back from Ministry Collaborative Group, I had a long list of, of resources to check, of things to do, very excited about what lay ahead. And on my list is a blog called Digging a Deeper Well that's written by Mark Ramsey, who heads up the Ministry Collaborative. It's about civic reflection, um, how to get your boards, so think session, to really be thoughtful and reflective and not just take on the tasks at hand. And so I'm very excited about this 
in ways that we can move from just decision-making to decision-making that's rooted in Christ, eager, excited to move forward in this way. It might make a little longer meeting, but that's going to be okay. And so I look on this blog, and sure enough, I see one of the first blog posts says, have you tried pickleball? And I'm like, oh yeah, we tried pickleball. This is great. And I start reading the blog and it says, don't try pickleball. <laughs> what it says is that when did the church have the meeting that said the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Christ is not enough. <laughs> when did we have the meeting that said what you need to change the church, to bring people in as things like a rafting trip, right? Or a Thanksgiving supper or pickleball. <laughs> now, I enjoyed pickleball, but I take the point. There has not been a meeting, nor will there ever be, that says the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not enough, because it is because it is. In that blog post, they end with this poem, a poem about change and a poem about keeping the main thing. So as we learn and grow, hear this poem. It's a Yiddish poem by Hirsch Oshervich. The English title is The Main Thing. And I'll close with it here today. The main thing, if your outlook on things has changed, that is not the main thing. If you feel like laughing at old dreams, that is not the main thing. If you recall errors of which you are ashamed, that is not the main thing. Even if you know that what you are doing now, you'll regret some other time. That's not the main thing either. But beware, lightheartedly to conclude from this, that there is no such thing as a main thing. This is the main thing. Friends, there are no experts here. Not pastors, not elders, not me, not you. There are no experts here, not about God, not about faith, not about the future. But what we have here are learners in a community of faith and our God who encouraged us and showed us, especially from today, that the main thing is always to learn, is always to grow, and always so that love remains. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org, that's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org, 
There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.